The text for our meditation is that gospel reading in its entirety and some verses prior to that, which I'll refer to a bit later. Just to remind you, Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. When you pray, he says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, but put, on, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious that you are fasting. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. On the basis of these words of Scripture and in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters in faith. How are you at following directions? You know, maybe you can think back to something that you purchased and the packaging said something like, some assembly required. Or maybe, like I did, you went to Ikea and bought some furniture, a couple of tables, and you have to put them together. And they give you these wonderful directions. How'd that go for you? We think we can handle things, and when it doesn't go the way we think it should or it's supposed to go, we get frustrated, maybe even angry. Wouldn't it be better if the directions maybe told you what not to do? In my case, it would have to say, don't bother, get somebody that knows what they're doing. Which is what I had to do. It's kind of a microcosm of what life is like. We go through life, we have lots of things that we have to do that often require choices. We have to make a decision. And we do that. We think very thoughtfully and very practically. It doesn't always work the way we think it should. And again, we wonder, we get frustrated, we get angry. Why wasn't it clearer? Why didn't we have more information? I speak about those things because if you look again, at this section of the Sermon on the Mount that we're looking at tonight, Jesus does just that. He makes things very clear. He doesn't just tell us what, as his followers, we ought to be doing. He tells us what we shouldn't do. He's talking here about two of the great principles of Judaism, 
praying and fasting. In the four verses prior to our text, he also speaks about a third of those principles, and that is giving alms to the poor, or giving to the poor. In all three cases, he tells us very clearly, don't be like the hypocrites. That's a term that gets thrown around very easily too, all too often. I mean, maybe you've heard that, that one of the biggest excuses for people not to join a church is that there are too many hypocrites there. So what is that word, hypocrite? As some of you know, I was an English teacher before I was a pastor, and I love words. So I did a little study of hypocrite and where it came from. It comes from a Greek word, which we've basically transliterated into English, but it comes from the Greek word for actor. Well, it wouldn't translate that way exactly. It's actually, in Greek, a compound word that means interpreter from underneath. not somebody from Australia. What it refers to is the fact that in those days, rather than makeup, actors wore masks. And so they were interpreting this character from underneath, or we'd say probably behind, a mask. And over the centuries then, that word came to apply to anyone who wore a mask, figuratively. Someone who pretended that they were someone or something that they really weren't. Someone who acted insincerely. Jesus says, don't be like that. He's talking about these three things, giving and praying and fasting, or I would broaden that to say Christian piety, doing those things that we feel help us in our Christian walk. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. In other words, don't make a show of what you're doing. In fact, in verse 3, just before our text, he uses the very familiar saying, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Be that cautious and careful about what you do. It's good, he says, to do these things. We should be generous. We should be praying. We should be living out our Christian life with fasting, if that's something that helps, other acts of piety. But doing them with the right attitude and for the right reasons, 
not doing them in order to get the attention of other people, to have them say, oh, look at him, see what she's doing, and give you that praise. Not to do things that makes people think you are something or someone that you really are not. And Jesus says, those who behave in that way will have their reward. That reward will come from people, from others, but not from God. No, he says, do these things privately, quietly, humbly, knowing that God sees what you are doing, the efforts that you're making. The text is mostly about prayer. And Jesus gives us a couple of suggestions, I'll call them, about praying. One is that we should pray privately, that we should find a time and a place where we can talk to our Heavenly Father undisturbed. A place where we can really have some one-on-one -on -one quality time with our God. Time to talk to Him. Time to listen to Him. And then, of course, He gives us an example. He says, pray like this. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer, which many people have referred to as the model prayer. And you know it well enough. You heard it in the text. You said it often enough. He talked about how the heathen babble along and have these um, they think they'll be heard for their many words. Notice the Lord's Prayer. No run-on sentences. No long descriptions and explanations of what we're asking for or confessing or telling God about. He knows all those details anyway. No, the prayer that he gives us is seven, succinct, to-the-point petitions. The first three deal with our relationship with, with God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And then, right in the middle, he just sticks this one little petition, request for everything we need in this life. All the physical and material things we need. Give us this day our daily bread. That sums it all up. It's trusting that God knows what we need. I always think of it this way. How many times when you were growing up, 
And of course, it's not true for everybody if they didn't grow up in a conventional, traditional household, if they grew up in some kind of bad situation. But most of us grew up, we never had to say to our parents, are you going to give us lunch? It was just there. They knew the things we needed, and they took care of that. And this is trusting that God does that as well. No, he gives us three petitions to talk about our spiritual needs. Forgive us. Give us the strength to overcome and resist temptation. And help us. Help us with the evil that surrounds us, with the problems and troubles that try to trip us up. Some have said that here in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is kind of contradicting himself because he says, pray privately, and then he teaches us this prayer that says, Our Father, give us, and that's plural. Obviously, what Jesus is saying is that there are many ways and times and places to pray. But he's advising us to find private time to pray. That one-on-one -on -one time, as I said. But also, encouraging us to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ and come before God in prayer. And Jesus sets the example for us. He doesn't just give us this model prayer. He models praying for us. It's kind of incredible because even while he was here on earth as a human being, Jesus was the very Son of God. And yet, the gospel writers tell us again and again that he went away and prayed. That he took time often to be in communication with the Father. But he also prayed with his disciples and with others. The gospel writers tell us that he was often in the synagogues. We can follow his example. He has told us clearly what not to do and what we should do. And so we can follow him, his guidance in prayer, as well as in generosity and acts of piety. And that, he says, will bring rewards, blessings from God. It will help us to grow, make deeper our relationship with the Father. And it will bring us the blessings that were won for us by Jesus Christ. 
who on the night when he was betrayed went to one of his favorite places to pray. And in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took the third petition of the Lord's Prayer to the deepest level. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Three times, with prayer, in prayer, with tears and sweat and blood, he prayed, but always left it up to the Father's will. And the Father's will was that he drink the cup, the cup of suffering. And so for us, Jesus did the Father's will. And he suffered and died that cruel death on the cross, gave his life for us that we might have life in his name. And he calls us to follow him. To live in this world as he did, generously, lovingly, following the Father's will, always deep in prayer. How are you at following directions? So often we mess up. We don't get it right. We don't do what we know he wants us to do. We're much like that prodigal. And every time we come back, our Father is there for us. In fact, he comes out looking for us runs to us when we come back and he's going to throw us a party. You see, the rewards are out of this world. In Jesus' name, amen.